0: Good afternoon. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, uh, continuing. We're a group of local Christians, and we tend to come out once a week with the gospel in the open air. And today you'll find us in Glasgow City Centre. We're here on Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. and We're very glad that you're able to, to join with us either in person here or on the live stream. As we said, we're a, a local congregation. We meet at two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. When you come to the police station, opposite the police station, there's a hill, quite a steep hill. But if you can get up that hill, you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School, and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads just next door to it, to Thornwood Terrace, and we meet every Lord's Day. We meet on Sunday at 11 a.m., and we also meet in the early evening at 6 p.m., and we also have a a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 We would extend a warm welcome to you all to come along and attend these services. We realize that we may well be speaking to people who've maybe never gone to a Christian place of worship. And maybe you might be somewhat apprehensive or embarrassed or just not too sure. Well, please let let us assure you You would receive a warm welcome. And nothing would be required of you. Simply come along. And we would be glad to see you at any one of these services on the Lord's Day Sunday at 11 or 6 p.m. or our midweek meeting, the prayer meeting, at 7.30 on Wednesday evening. And friends, we simply want to convey something of the christian gospel we realize that today in the culture that we live in uh, christianity is being despised and rejected and we would say there is no real reason for this and many people who have simply discounted christianity have never really given it any kind of thought whatsoever. And therefore, we would ask you to consider the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we would urge you that you might read your Bibles. It could well be that you have a Bible in your home gathering dust somewhere. And it could well be that you've never read it for a considerable amount of time. Well, if you want to know about real biblical Christianity, then friends, you are to acquaint yourself with the Bible. And if you're not used to reading the Bible, I would urge you to read one of the Gospels. Maybe start with Mark's Gospel, it's a fast-moving, action-packed Gospel, whereby the, the life of And the witness and the teachings and the miracles of the Lord Jesus are made clear. And it would be an ideal introduction to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there you'll find something more about Christianity. Now we come out, friends, because uh, we deal with a very, very serious matter A very serious matter. There is no matter as serious as the matter that we wish to address with you uh, this afternoon. The subject really is, where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity? I don't have to tell you, you know, but I will remind you nevertheless... We're all mortal. Is that not true? Yes, we're all mortal. We may well be fit and well, and I trust you are. Enjoying the grace of God, you'll have a good health. But the day will come when you'll get older, and uh, if the Lord Jesus Christ does not return, then the likelihood is that you'll go the way of all the earth you will be gathered to your fathers. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about that day when you shall pass into eternity, when you shall pass from the scene of time. And the question that we want to address with you this afternoon, where is it you will spend eternity? Now, there may well be some atheists among us And what do they believe concerning this great matter? Well, as far as they are concerned, as far as they are concerned, this is all we have. This life is all that we have. And basically, and not distorting their teaching, but basically, we have come from nothing and we are going to return to nothing. And if you uh, work out the implications of what they believe, there is no real purpose in life whatsoever. Because if there is no God, then there is no purpose. If we've come from nothing, if this whole universe has begun by some uh, gigantic big bang some billions of years ago, and we have evolved from that big bang, then life is meaningless. Life has no purpose. And the atheist will try to convince himself therefore that this life is all that we have. And when we've passed into eternity, there is no eternity. It's all over. That's what they would try to teach us. But Christianity would teach us something completely different. It would tell us that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And therefore, God is the one who has created everything. He has created the sun, the moon, the stars. Planets, the whole of this universe, this earth, all the life that's on this earth, He has created it. Whether that be marine life, fowl life, or whether that be animal life, insect life, or plant life. He's the one who has created everything. And therefore, being the creator... He is the one who does sustain this world, and therefore being the Creator, we are accountable unto our God. And this is why the atheist rejects any notion of there is a God, because if there is a God, then we are accountable to that God. Well, we know that the atheist position is not accurate. It's not true. And you may well ask me, and indeed you should ask, how do we know that the atheist position is not true? We know it's not true because the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to this world and took our form and our nature. What does that mean? Well, it simply means He lived just like us. He became just like us. The Son of God became a man. And we might talk about it later on, but He became a man in order that He might be able to suffer and to die. And that's exactly what he did. At the end of his perfect life, he was crucified. He was put in a tree. Nails were put through his hands and feet. A crown of thorns was put upon his head. And a spear was put through his side. With the result is that he died. He was taken out of the cross off the cross and he was put into a borrowed tomb. And he was there for Friday night, all day Saturday, but on the first day of the week, what happened? He arose. He came out of the grave. This is what we call the resurrection. And therefore. This smashes what the atheist believes. The atheist believes there is no life after death. but Jesus Christ suffered, died, was put in a tomb and came out of the tomb. And he's alive, and friends, we're glad to tell you today that he's alive forevermore. He's alive to such an extent, that he can never die again. It is impossible for him. He has destroyed death. Now this is wonderful news, is it not? Because death is our greatest enemy, is it not? Every one of us will die, as we said, unless the Lord Jesus Christ shall return before our death. We will all go the way of all the earth but well, I want to ask you then what will happen to you when you die you might not like to think on it it's maybe something you don't want to consider and when we talk about this I'm not concerned in any sense about whatever funeral arrangements you might have that's beside the point I want to ask you where will you go when you pass into eternity? Well, as you might expect, the Bible provides answers for us so that we do not need to speculate. The Bible tells us that we, when we die, go to one of two places. We will either go to heaven, that's a glorious place, That's a place of perfection. That's a place where the triune God resides. That's where the holy angels are. That's where all who are in Christ will be. They will be with Him. Jesus said to His disciples not long before He left them to go to Gethsemane and to go to the cross. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now this is the place where everyone who believes, who belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ shall ultimately go when their lives end. Now this is a place that has been secured for the believer, not by his good works, not by his life, not by his charitable giving, not by going to church, not by being religious, but but, but by believing upon Jesus Christ the Lord. This is what's required of you in order that you might have Christ. Um, these are just my texts. Um, that, that man there will give you a text. He'll give you a text. So, as we were saying, when we pass into eternity, we will go to one of two places. The first place I mentioned is Heaven. Now I'm sure that if I ask people around here this afternoon quietly of course not in the public but quietly or maybe if I ask a question and you can answer it yourself quietly within yourself where are you going to go when you pass into eternity <coughs> I'm sure that you'll say to yourself well I'm going to go to heaven and Surely I will go to heaven. That's what you're saying to yourself. Well, I sincerely hope you will go to heaven, but what basis have you got to say that? Because heaven's a perfect place. And it's for people who have trusted upon the Lord Jesus Christ and them alone. And therefore, I want to ask you, Are you trusting upon Jesus Christ the Lord? Have you received Him as your Lord and Savior? Have you come to that point in your experience when you cried out to Him that He might save you? Because, friends, before we shall get to heaven, we need to have our sins forgiven. And we need to be reconciled to God. And we cannot do that It is beyond us. That's why we need a Savior. And friends, we're delighted to tell you that that Savior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only God-appointed Savior. And He must save. That's his office. That's his role. That's what he delights to do. And if we don't have Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is another place that we shall go to. We don't like to think about it. We might use the word very often as a swear word. But the place I'm talking about, friends, is a terrible place. It's a place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. It's a place called hell. And no one in their right mind would want to go there. But we are on that road by nature, by default. And that's why the preaching of the Gospel is so urgent because we need to be rescued. Because if we don't have our sins forgiven, and if we are not reconciled to God through believing the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will go through life, we will pass into eternity, and we will end up in that dreadful place called hell. Now there's no point in shaking your head about this. We're telling you facts. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has come from heaven. No one has ever come from heaven. No one. He's the only one. He knows the eternal world. And He is the one who teaches us more about hell than He does about heaven. Why do you think He does that? I can tell you why. He does not want you to go there. He is warning you, and that's why He has come, in order to suffer and to die, in order to rescue individuals. And I want to impress upon you this afternoon, as you sit around or as you pass by, I want to impress upon you the willingness of the Savior to save Because you might be someone and you've heard the Gospel and you know the truth to some extent. You agree with the Word of God that you are a sinner and you need to be saved. But somehow you need to be convinced that Jesus Christ is willing to save you. Well, early on the ministry of the Lord Jesus, He was in a place called Capernaum or he was about to enter into this place called Capernaum. And as he was entering in, he met a leper. And here was a leper. And the Bible tells us he was full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Now, in order for us to understand this Narrative that I'm speaking about, we need to do a wee bit of homework. We need to realize that in biblical times, leprosy was a, was a death sentence. There was no cure for leprosy. It was maybe like what we have today. We could class it the same as incurable cancer. He had a disease that was incurable. It was well advanced. Leprosy in biblical times was a disease that began inside, under the skin. And you could have leprosy for some time before you would realize that you had it. It's only when it manifested itself on the outside that you realized you had it. And by this time, it was well advanced. Well, he was a man who was full of leprosy. And because he had leprosy, he would have to live by himself or live with other lepers. He would never be able to do what you're doing today or what I'm doing today. He would never be able to walk around the city center. And if he came in contact with any people whatsoever, he would have to cry out, unclean, unclean so that people would avoid him because they would not want to catch his disease. So here was a man full of leprosy and he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ as he's about to go in to Capernaum. And he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In other words, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And here we find that the leper was convinced that Jesus had the power to cleanse him. He was convinced. He knew Jesus had the power. Maybe he saw Jesus perform other miracles. We don't know. But he was absolutely convinced that Jesus had the power. The only doubt was if Jesus was willing or not. He wondered if Jesus wanted to heal him. What was the response of the Savior? We're told here, he put forth his hand and touched him. He put forth his hand and touched him. That's remarkable, is it not? Here was Jesus, the Son of God, and he was prepared to touch this leper. No one else would touch him. The other religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would run a mile from him. In fact, they would say, that because you're a leper, you're under the judgment of God. You must be a great sinner. And they would have nothing to do with him. Jesus was completely opposite. He put forth his hand and he touched him. Surely then, friends, you can see That Jesus Christ is willing to save. Willing to save all that will come to Him. Here was a social outcast. A nobody. A no-hoper. He comes to Jesus. Jesus touches him. And He says, I will. You know, it it wasn't the touch that healed the man. It was the will of the Lord Jesus He simply had to will it and it was done. And what happens, friends? What happens? I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. He was cleansed. One who was full of leprosy one moment was cleansed. Immediately clean. Perfectly clean. And he was able then to go back into society and live a normal life. Now... Is there a spiritual application for us? We don't have leprosy. But we have something that's far, far worse and more dangerous than leprosy. What is it? We have sin. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, for there is no difference... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches us there is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us has this disease. It affects our nature. It has affected our minds. It has affected our wills. It has affected our hearts. It has affected every part of our constitution. It has infiltrated us and we are powerless to do something about it. Just like the leper. He could not save himself. No one else could. Jesus Christ alone. Well, it's exactly the same with this terrible, deadly disease called sin. Jesus Christ alone can forgive your sins. No minister of the gospel, no priest or bishop or archbishop or whatever designation you'd like to quote can take away your sins. Only Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is the one that God has provided. He's the one who has come down from heaven and it is His task And it is his role in order to work out a way whereby mankind can be saved. And we bless God that he has performed that task perfectly. That's why we present to you a Savior who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And therefore, if we go back to the leper, he was unsure if Jesus was willing to save him. Well, the application is clear. We are to be convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to save sinners. Indeed, He's more willing to save than we are to come to Him. That's why we must go out and that's why we must press upon people that you are to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are to have your sins forgiven, and that you are to be assured that Jesus Christ will receive you. We we'll love to quote the verse or the three verses at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's a gospel invitation. But friends, to really appreciate... the. What God do you believe in, sir? What God do you believe in, sir? I didn't quite catch the God you believe in, but there's only one God. (coughs) There's only one God, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who has made all mankind and all life. God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge. Righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creatures. That's the great God of the Bible. That's the God who made and formed you. And therefore, because He's the one who has made you, you are accountable unto Him. And you will stand before Him one day. This is what the Bible would remind us. We will stand before Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Christians in Corinth. And he is reminding them that they will have their day when they will stand before King Jesus. I wonder, do you recognize and do you ever think about the fact that Jesus is a king? He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And you know, today, we are very happy to be able to come out this afternoon, and to bring something of the claims of Christ to you, and to present Him to you as a Saviour. That's wonderful news. It's wonderful news for those on Buchanan Street this Thursday afternoon, because this is the day of grace. This is the day of God's favour that's upon us. This is a time for the the Gospel to to be proclaimed to every creature. This is what we are reminded in the Great Commission, that Jesus gave His disciples before He left, and returned unto glory. Verse 18 of chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel. Let me read a few verses from there. From verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's the Great Commission, or that's the Great Commission that we call it, because there the Lord Jesus, before He returned to heaven... He commissioned His Apostles and the disciples. And He told them to go ye therefore and teach all nations. In other words, after the Holy Spirit came upon them at Jerusalem, they were to go out to Jerusalem, to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth with the good news of the Christian gospel but they could never do that by themselves. They didn't have the transportation that we have today. They would be able to travel by camel or horseback or by ship, but they didn't have the speed and the transportation and the communications that we have today. But they fulfilled that commission as best as they could. Because the gospel was brought to the very center of the known world that day, it was brought to Rome by the Apostle Paul. But there was a lot of the world that was yet unevangelized. And therefore, once these early apostles and, and disciples passed on into eternity, other Christians took up the Great Commission. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We're out on Buchanan Street this afternoon. We have a message to proclaim. It is the good news of the Christian gospel. And indeed, friends, it is good news. It's the most blessed news that you could possibly hear. This is God's Word. This is God communicating from heaven... To us here upon earth. And this news is vital for every one of us. It is true that we cannot speak about Jesus to the wrong person. Why not? Because every one of us needs him. Every one of us needs to be saved. And Jesus Christ alone is the one who can save There is no other Savior. There is no other way to be reconciled to God. There is no other way to be in heaven. There is no other way to be found in glory. There is no other way provided. This is God's way. Jesus himself did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And as time will enable us, and as we have opportunity, we will seek to bring this good news to you this afternoon, that you might hear about this One, the One who came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Is that not good news, friends, today? Jesus Christ has not come to destroy our lives. Oh, He has come to change our lives. That is true. We're to be changed from our, from our lives of sin and we're to live lives of righteousness, but He has not come to destroy our lives. He has come to save us. And that's what we want to bring to your attention this afternoon. We're going to take a short break, but we do ask that the Lord might bless His word to you this